The Hoop Collective is presented by QuickBooks. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We're doing it on Monday afternoon. Joining me from Austin, Texas, is a professor of Kurt Goldberg. Hello, Kurt. Hello, Brian. It's good to see you. How are you doing? Good, good to see you. And uh, joining us from Oakland, California, is Anscapes, Mark J. Spears. Hello, Mark. What's happening, man? I'm coming to you from New York City, where later tonight I'm going to my first game at Madison Square Garden in two years. Uh, Bulls, um, Bulls-Knicks in a game that is uh, very uh, in, in, uh, important in the uh, play-in scenarios in the Eastern Conference, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but first, guys, uh, we had a significant uh, injury. We've, we've got a number of injuries, unfortunately, in the league right now that are, as usual, playing into what's happening. But the Boston Celtics, who have just been the league's most dominant team over the last three months, um, they've got, I think, the date that I saw was since January 23rd, they're 24-4 and four and have the number one offense and the number one defense. Um, Sunday, as they were routing yet another um, uh, opponent, just absolutely blowing the Timberwolves off the court. Um, another, you know, playoff level opponent they were just whipping. Um, Robert Williams, their guy who's having a breakout season in his third year, uh, I guess his fourth year, um, he tore his meniscus. And that was confirmed by the team today. He is the centerpiece of their defense, um, uh, kind of underrated in, in some ways because of you know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been so great. In fact, Jason Tatum won uh, Player of the Week again. <laughs> he um, has won it like three times in the last month or something like that. I should look up exactly. Um, but Robert Williams is super important, not only to their defense, which is so good, but uh, they don't have that much depth. So Kirk, this is uh, for a team that was really streaking towards possible title consideration. This could really be a blow. Now, um, that third time, by the way, third time um, in March that uh, Tatum won Player of the Week. Now that I looked it up. Um, they they are going to. Gonna, when, you, when you see a meniscus tear, now they said this is a lateral meniscus. I'm not an orthopedist, but a lateral means it's on the outside, which means there's a possibility they could potentially snip it off a little bit, which means he could return in weeks. But they're going to figure it out the rest of this week. And meniscus injuries, we've seen guys have surgery and come back in weeks. We've seen guys have surgery and not come back for a year. Um, so, Kirk, what do you think the impact – on the Celtics uh, to, to this injury is so close to the end of the regular season. Yeah, it's bad and it's unfortunate. There's no other way to say it. Uh, Robert Williams deserves a lot of credit as for being one of the most improved, uh, most influential uh, emergent players in the NBA right now. I think along with Marcus Smart, he's the heart and soul of Ime Adoka's all-planet defense right now. Uh, his ability to guard virtually every position in the league as well as defend shots, as well as anybody, including Rudy Gobert in the league this year, is one of the things that 
that makes these Celtics more like the 85 Bears than the 86 Celtics. I would say these, this is a defensive juggernaut, uh, and they just lost their middle linebacker. Um, if he's not able to come back, this damages their calling card, Brian, which is, like I said, being the best defense in the NBA, uh, being a very capable and switch-happy defense. They switch as much as anybody, and a lot of that has to do with Robert Williams being able to guard everybody. If you replace him in the starting lineup, you're not as switchable. Um, you're not as dominant on defense. Uh, it's an unfortunate injury, and it's very poorly timed. Uh, let's just root for the best-case scenario here because the Celtics are one of the best teams in the NBA, uh, and the sooner he gets back, Spears, uh, the better um, the Celtics are and the better the playoffs will be. The Celtics have made a case. So Kevin Pelton on this pod last week said they're the favorites to win the East, and they have done nothing in the last week to to – push back on that um they're a team that has was incredibly cold offensively in the first half of the season and incredibly hot offensively in the second half but the defense has been strong from the start so losing this guy now they do have some reserves at center yeah but losing this guy is is key well i'll tell you what man i love Dice, am I saying his name right? I always mess up his Tice. name. Tice, but I love, I love. We we should have like a Mark Spears uh, weekly mess up your name. Weekly right? uh, pronunciation, <laughs> Daniel Tice. <laughs> um, you know, Tice used to start over Williams and had some success with the uh, Celtics uh, in a starting capacity. He um, he averaged in during the 2020-21 season. He averaged about ten points, five rebounds you know, for them. And uh, some of the 14 games that he's played since being reacquired from Houston, um, you know, he hasn't played a ton, and I think it's because of Robert Williams. But I think under the circumstances, I mean, he's he's a quality replacement. He's athletic. I think he's good defending off of pick and rolls. Um, he, he can get up and down the floor. So I'm not going to, like, kill the Celtics as much as probably most because I think Tice is certainly capable of filling that role pretty well. And he's not going to be him, so to speak, but I don't think he's too far off if given the opportunity, given the minutes. Um, They're both long, athletic, you know, players who – you know, you, you, they're basic offensively. They're role players, you know, alley-oops, putbacks, those kind of things. Tice can make a mid-range jumper. Uh, so, uh, you know, occasionally knocks down a three. So I, I, I maybe it, it, it takes a hit on their bench a little bit, but I do think that Tice has the ability to be an adequate um, backup in, um, or adequate fill-in in Williams' departure. So um, yeah, and Brian, yeah. let me hop in. Let me let me hop in to support, and support that take because Daniel Tice, Mark is exactly right. I mean, he's played only fourteen games, but in those minutes, Boston has looked very good. Uh, I think their net rating with Tice on the court right now is near twenty points. Uh, that's not sustainable, but it's a good sign. And and credit to the Celtics front office for for making that transaction uh, when they did uh, because they have a built-in plan B here. And if they hadn't made that move. 
they're sitting here with but Ennis Canner or something trying to trying to find uh, a great defense, and that's and that's not going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. So the Tice trade was a little bit. So that was the Derek White trade that they made. That's worked out really well. Uh, they gave up their first round pick in addition to Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford to the Spurs. By the way, Josh Richardson has helped the Spurs, who are now knocking on the door of uh, passing the Lakers for the last play-in spot. Um, it's been a trade that's helped them a little bit. In addition, to, we'll see what happens with the draft pick, although the draft pick's getting worse by the day. But um, the Tice trade was a little bit more complicated because Tice signed a four-year, $35 million contract last offseason, and he really didn't play much for the Rockets uh, early in the year. And it was like, wow, it's kind of like a bad contract. And for the Celtics, who are mindful of their spending, it was a bit like, wow, did you really need to take on that contract? Well, now that insurance policy looks like it could be important. And, you know, they really, Brad Stevens really trusted Daniel Tice a lot. Granted, he didn't have much choice when he was a head coach a couple of years ago, but Tice was getting 30 plus minutes in the conference finals. Um, now granted that was two years ago, but you know, they did believe in him then. One thing I want to point out about Boston, this, this was buried in Tim Bontemps story today, uh, about the, the Robert Williams injury. So tonight, Monday night, the Celtics are playing in Toronto and it's a second night of a back to back. And so they've got a long injury report. And, but what was interesting is that Tim asked the Celtics if all of their players were eligible to play in Toronto and the Celtics did not comment. And Ime Udoka was asked as well. And without giving you his exact quote, I can just tell you it was a non-answer. So tonight, Robert Williams is out, obviously. Jason Tatum Jalen Brown and Al Horford are also out. They listed injuries, but it looks like they're basically just resting them. Not The Celtics are not confirming that they're all eligible to go to Toronto. So just to tell you real quick, the, the rule early in the season was you could go to Toronto if you were unvaccinated, but you couldn't basically leave the hotel. You had to be quarantined other than to go to the arena. January 15th, that rule changed. And we all knew that Kyrie Irving had the Nets play, or it could still happen, played the, 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 the at Toronto in the play-in game. Kyrie couldn't play because he is unvaccinated. If any Celtics players are unvaccinated, at least at the time of a playoff series, and right now as we sit here at, the, at this moment, there's essentially a three-way tie for seeds one, two, and three in the East, and Toronto is in the six. It's possible Boston could play Toronto in the first round. And I don't know for sure about the vaccination status of the Celtics players. I just know that when asked, they wouldn't give an answer and they didn't take three of their most important players to Toronto for Monday night's game. Spears, I don't know what it means. Uh, Bontemps, highlighted it sort of has it on the record that the Celtics offered no comment. And that's basically what I'm doing here. I am putting it on the board to acknowledge that this is that they would not comment on their. And somewhere Kyrie's like, Oh, so why ain't y'all get on them then? <laughs> well, it's not as clear because they all. Yeah, play the home yeah, game, right? right? Um, 
the Toronto piece is, is really interesting in a, in a lot of ways, whether it's Boston, whether they, you know, do a play in and drop down and do a play in against, say, Brooklyn and host the game because they're, you know, they're not out of the woods for the playing, um, keeping an eye on like Cleveland and, you know, Chicago's in a really tough spot right now. But I, I, right, the way it looks right now, you know, Toronto's moving up the ladder and they're playing really well, and I'm assuming they'll win tonight. Um, whoever yeah, yeah who, whoever so. they end up playing, when the games turn to Toronto, like, yeah, there, there certainly is going to be a big spotlight put on that team and some true serum about uh, vaccination as well um, that could uh, uh, affect that team. I mean, so, I mean, essentially they're – Probably the only team what left in the NBA where you have that potential conflict. You know, Golden State. Yeah, Kirk. So yeah. So last year, Toronto was at a huge disadvantage throughout the entire mm-hmm. season because of COVID rules. They had to play in Toronto. Um so now I don't want to say it's an advantage, but I mean what do you want me to say? It's it's possible that and it, this this goes for any team that they play, but specifically looking at the Celtics right now, um, it could sort of flip around. Yeah, I would say, you know, Toronto is a very dangerous first-round opponent or play-in opponent for two reasons. One, they're one of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference right now. They're getting better. Uh, Scotty Barnes is great. Precious is, is great. OG, they have a good team. Nick Nurse is obviously a very good coach. Uh, so there's the traditional reason that teams should be sort of afraid of this team. Uh, and then they have this sort of secret home court advantage. I love what uh, the marks, this truth serum, this looming non-traditional reason to be afraid of them, which is a bureaucratic and in, in regulatory in nature. Uh, like many of us, I'm sick of talking about this stuff, but you know, as it relates to the Eastern conference playoffs, like the situation with Toronto and being in Canada is a relevant plot point here, Brian. And, there are going to be a subset of NBA players that potentially are not allowed to go there and, and play. Uh, and that is a potential storyline. Maybe it's Boston. Maybe it's Philadelphia. We don't know. Um, but I, I think that that is yeah. fair to bring up. We're a few weeks away from a first-round series potentially involving a Raptors team that comes equipped with this very unusual home court advantage, potentially. I think it's relevant. Yeah, and I'm not sure what would qualify to be vaccinated. So I don't know if you can just still get one shot. But let's just say a player realized like that was the impetus and like, okay, I guess I'll get the shot. I don't know if you could get the shot and be able to play immediately or you'd have to with that. I don't know. I should research what fully vaccinated means because you may not. It may be too late even now if although I would. I would guess if a player is all the way at this point and not vaccinated. I mean, I think um, one Celtic that was kind of known not to be vaccinated was Josh Richardson before he was traded to San Antonio. If I'm not mistaken, Josh Richardson has had COVID three or four times, something like that. Um, I think was on the record as not being vaccinated. So I knew about that one, but this implies that there could potentially be more. Um, All right, speaking of availability, um, the Grizzlies are just playing incredible basketball right now. They keep winning. 
Um, they're in great shape to get the number two seed home court the first two rounds of the playoffs. But at the same time, like, there's this real worry about John ja Morant, who has missed a number of games recently, first for a back injury. Now he's got a knee issue. The Grizzlies held him out of a couple of the games and then announced uh, either late last week or over the weekend he was going to be reevaluated in two weeks. When a player goes from day to day, Spears, and then they say he's out for two weeks, it makes me wonder if something happened, like the player got a treatment, like a PRP or something, but I don't know if that's true, just to be clear. I do not know. But um, Ja, like, keeps tweeting. I think he's tweeted twice uh, Hakuna Matata from uh, The Lion King. Um, no worries. I don't know if that's a, if a statement we can take to the bank, but um, they are 16-2 and two without him, Spears. Um, do you think that jo- that they could survive a series if they had to go without jo- at least a first-round no. series? And um, How concerned are you about this? Um, although... They're like those, man. We're, 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 I'm a, with an old enough group here, right? And I've used this, I think, analogy before. <laughs> There's the, gray hair on this podcast. They're like those pesky kids from Scooby Doo, man. Like they just somehow they they figure out how to succeed. They're not scared of you. They don't care who you are. They just somehow figure this out. And it's stunning to me, considering that there's no other all star on this roster. There's no other stu- superstar on this roster. So I actually called um, Brandon Clark, uh, the Grizzlies forward, former San Jose State star. Uh, <laughs> this morning and I'm <laughs> there you like, go. yo, how are y'all doing this? Like, how are y'all winning without Ja? And he goes, he said, it all comes down to having great chemistry and a deep roster. And he said, when we play without Ja, we know that all we have, that we all have to bring our games to a different level in order to win. And then I was asking him about, like, Ja has one of the greatest IQs. In the NBA, a lot of people don't know that. Very, very smart, cerebral guy, along with his athleticism and scoring ability. But he's also a great leader, which comes with that IQ. So then I asked, you know, Brandon, I'm like, okay, but so who's the leader? Who's in charge when when Ja's not there? And he said uh, they do things by committee. And he also said that the coaching staff has done an exceptional job at keeping the team locked in. You know, it's a true team effort. And so without Cha, they're amazingly outscoring opponents by 351 points uh, entering their Warriors game on Monday. Um, Memphis is also was a plus 18 and a half points per game difference, which is without Ja, which is the highest in the NBA this season when their all-star does not play. So it's, it's been pretty incredible. Um Coach of the year candidate, incredible. I had to give um, uh, their, their coach credit for that. But I'm, I'm, playoffs is a different ball game, um, uh, and and I, I, I can't see them surviving. Even and, and they'll probably prove me wrong, but I can't see them surviving a round without Ja. So, yeah, one of the things about them, Kirk, they definitely have great chemistry, but they use a lot of energy 
as a team. And maybe, you know, they're really young. So of course they use energy. There's a couple of things about them that I wonder how they'll translate, even with Ja. One is their ability to keep up their energy throughout a playoff series. Maybe they will. I don't know any different. And within games and in playoff games, because, you know, I know they're deep, but playoff rotations get, get, get thinner. It's just the nature of it. And, and secondly, whether or not they can, can they can execute in the half court under pressure in the, in the, in the fourth quarter of a game, because it comes down to that. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying that they've got to prove that they can because their bread and butter is playing with speed. And um, so Ja is the key. Ja can make things go because he's such a great creator. So um, he says he's not worried. I don't know. Uh, you know, their their first round opponent is hard to predict at this point. Um, I will say this: um, StatMuse, uh, which they have a great tr- Twitter account, they went over the teams that the Grizzlies have beaten this year to get to sixteen and two without Ja. They beat the Rockets twice, the Kings twice, the Pacers twice, the Blazers, Pelicans, Lakers. None of those teams are winning teams. Raptors and Nets. Uh, the, you know, the Nets for the most part, a lot of the, when, you know, I don't know when it happened, but if Durant and Kyrie weren't playing, it's not that much of a win. They beat the Thunder without uh, Shea Gildas Alexander, the Clippers without Paul George. They beat the Mavs without Luka. They beat the Heat without Bam Adebayo. They beat the Sixers on a night they didn't have Embiid. And they beat the Bucks on a night without Drew Holiday. Still, that was a great win. I remember that. They also, you know, they've also had some really good wins just in general. But the point of that is, is that 16-2 and record, there's some, I don't want to say asterisks in there, but they've taken it, they've just beaten teams that they maybe weren't the best in the league. No, I got I got to push back because you know one of the things if you look at their last four games without Jaw, yeah, there's a win at Houston there, and there's a win versus the Pacers there, um, but they beat Brooklyn with both of their guys on March 23rd, uh, with both Kyrie and Kevin in the lineup, and then they just shellacked the Milwaukee Bucks uh, the other night, and in, a, in an eye popping box score, um, there are two teams Brian that have 50 wins in the NBA right now. One is Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and the other one is Taylor Jenkins and, and the Memphis Grizzlies. These guys are built for war. And I think it is the, the, you pose a, it is a difficult question. Can they get out of a, a first round without John Moran? That's a very difficult question to answer. In part because the play-in tournament makes forecasting these first round matchups so freaking hard now. Um, if they play Minnesota and Minnesota's firing on all cylinders... Look out. Like, that's a very difficult matchup. Minnesota's playing very well, too. Um, but I think this team... We're all hoping to see that series because there would be, there would be a lot of machismo uh, being displayed between those two teams. Yeah, I, I'm rooting for that one, too, Brian. I, 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 I'm buying in on, on Memphis, but, yeah, without Jaw, it's a different conversation, Mark says in the playoffs uh that said this team if it's if it's fair to say that john morant and his hakuna matata tweets are reliable this team's gonna be a problem deep into may uh this is probably the second best team in the nba uh and i'm not ready to say um 
they're going to have trouble in the playoffs until we know more specifics about Jaws' injury. Yeah, so that's definitely something to watch out. And, and by the way, as we as we look at how who they might play, I mean, right now with two weeks to go, two two and a half weeks, whatever it is, the I I, I see these teams or I. None of them are actually saying it, but you can kind of see teams trying to maneuver a little bit for various seeds. I say good luck to them because this is – and this is the purpose of the play-in tournament. The whole concept is you want to have more teams um, available to play, to get in and less teams uh, available to tank. Uh, I mean, there are a couple of incredible tanking situations happening in the league right now. <laughs> While I'm at it, Tonight, shout out to to Portland. (laughs) Tonight, the Blazers and the Blazers just announced some updates on injuries. But um, tonight, the Blazers are playing the Thunder (laughs) in a double tankathon, and there are. I'm gonna. I have the injury report up right now. Between the two teams, there are one, two. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good. Really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan. That's unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigabytes of hotspot for just $45 a month. Get nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. So why pay a whole lot for your data? when you can get unlimited for a whole lot less. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. At 60 gigabytes, we reserve the right to review your account for usage in violation of Straight Talk's terms and conditions. A month equal 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Nineteen guys on the injury report between the two teams for tonight. Um, now, a number of the guys are indeed coming off a of surgery. <laughs> you know, Damon Lillard is coming off a of surgery. A uh, number of uh, um, Thunder players had surgery, like Lou Dort had surgery. But guys, but the timing of all the, the what the three the big giant Blazers injury report on Monday was was hilarious, right? We've got a whole bunch of guys listed as out with soreness. We got four different guys listed as being out with tendon, uh, tendinopathy. Is that the new word? Oh, my. Tendinopathy is just That's raging the through the – Yeah. When I was a kid, they used to say Achilles tendinitis. Spears. No. Um, you know. Back when I was a kid um, – uh, they used to, you know, you used to have an injury list, and, and you'd put a player on the injury list. Um, you didn't have an inactive list. If the if a 
if a player wasn't available, he had to be on the injury list. So they had to come up with an injury. And the player had to miss at least three games, I think, maybe even five, if they were on the injury list. And so players who were just like development players would be on the injury list for 40, 50 games with uh, Achilles uh, tendonitis. They would just make up injuries. It was that way for years. It was so bizarre that they just openly admitted uh, lying like that. Um, but anyway, so but the point of the whole plane is that there's only a couple of teams tanking. Um, and as a result, we really have a lot of fan bases and a lot of teams still with their foot on the gas, which was the point of all this. But it's so – it's a complete mess. And so you look at the Eastern Conference – Charlotte has won seven out of their last eight games. They go into Brooklyn on Sunday and win. Kyrie's first home game of the year. He shoots 6-22, of 22, and Charlotte pulls out the win. They've been on this hot streak without Gordon Hayward, who is maybe going to practice, I think, this week and get back before the end of the year. But they move past Brooklyn in the eighth, and they got the tiebreaker in that situation. Now, down the stretch, Charlotte's schedule is a lot more difficult than Brooklyn's. But I'd like to point out that while everybody is just prepared to give Brooklyn the Eastern Conference uh, crown, they are now 9-13 and 13 when Kyrie plays this year. 9-13. and 13. Now, some of that you could point out is that Durant missed a bunch of games, and there were uh, games where it was Kyrie with no Durant playing. But if Kyrie's so good, then they should be better than under 500, right? So, um, you know, just keep that in mind, that they're 9-13 and 13 with, with Kyrie. And um, so Charlotte and Brooklyn are fighting there. Uh, Charlotte's moved ahead of Brooklyn on, on the tie break. Cleveland, Toronto, and Chicago are separated by two games. Chicago's in fifth. Um, Cleveland and Toronto, Cleveland's a game ahead of Toronto, but Cleveland has a tiebreaker on Toronto. Um, there's really, that could go anyway in five, six, seven, could go anyway. The Bulls still have the hardest schedule among the three of them. And, you know, I have no idea whether Brooklyn is going to end up in the nine, 10 or the seven, eight. I mean, I'm sure the Miami heat are paying real close attention to this, um, because they just got beat at home. Brian, should we should we should we give up on the seventh spot for Brooklyn? Well, they are, as we sit here, they're three back of Cleveland for the seven. I mean, they pretty much have to run the table, right, in order to get up that high. Yeah, I'd have to go look and see what the tiebreak situation is between Cleveland and Brooklyn. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I would say if you're Brooklyn, what you're hoping to do is to get to the eighth because you're not afraid of Cleveland probably. You're not afraid of going there. And that way what you're trying to avoid is having to win two games to get in uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, uh, there's no race between 10 and 11, even though the um, the Knicks have been playing better recently. Um, they've actually won three in a row, uh, which is why I'm not penciling in a Bulls victory on Monday night. Now that's the game that I'm going to. Um, but so Atlanta is going to make 10, I believe, but they're only a game back of Brooklyn. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Brooklyn isn't guaranteed. They're, they're, they're pretty much just guaranteed a plan. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to, I would still say they're, they can win. They can win one out of two games. 
if they're in the six, if they're in the um, seven, eight. And if that's, if they're in the seven or eight, they're getting in. I don't see them losing two games. If they're in the nine, 10, yeah, they would, you know, potentially have a home game. Potentially have a game at Toronto. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of scenarios. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, Kirk, which of these play-in teams do you think would be the worst matchup for, for Brooklyn? Oh, well, there's something about Trey Young in, in the playoffs that uh, I've learned to respect. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if they want anything to do with a 9-10 game where Trey Young can catch fire and send him home because he seems to love those exact kinds of moments. Um, but that said, Atlanta is probably not the scariest team. I will say, Brian, the teams in the Eastern Conference plan tournament are pretty good compared to the West. Uh, yeah. De- depending on the wellness of, of Cleveland, that's a nasty team, especially on defense. If they're whole, if they get Jared Allen back, uh, that's a very, very formidable team, um, especially on the defensive end of the court. And as we just saw yesterday, Charlotte can beat Brooklyn. Um, so, you know, I, I would take it another way. It's like just getting into the plan is a dangerous situation uh, for, for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I see them probably emerging out of that uh, and being one of the most dangerous seven or eight seeds of our lifetime. Uh, but there's a chance they don't make it out of the plan because these teams in the Eastern Conference plan tournament are better than you think they are. Um, anybody can win one game in the NBA. We've seen it. I always point to the Allen Iverson team that beat the 2001 Lakers in game one of the finals. You, you don't want to get involved in a one-game situation. The best team doesn't always win. I agree. Which is why which, which is why if you're in 9-10 and you're Brooklyn, it's double, it's a double single, it's a double single elimination. You play two games and you have to win both. Whereas if you're That's right. The eight, There's a big difference. Let me just emphasize that point, Brian. There's a one. big difference in Brooklyn if you're the eight or you're the nine. If you're the eight, you get two chances. Uh, if you're the nine, you, you might be done after one game. Uh, and I think that's a big thing that people don't quite realize about the playing tournament. And that loss to Charlotte yesterday, where they lost that tiebreaker, uh, could seal their fate as a nine. Uh, and that's a big deal. Remember, last season, the Warriors were the, uh, the eight team. They go to Los Angeles. They, they play the Lakers. They actually had a decent lead at halftime and the momentum. Lakers come back and win a close one, and then they go home as the higher seed, one-and-done NCAA tournament-type game against Memphis and lose in overtime. So, you know, a lot a lot certainly is possible, um, as you said, with those, those kind of um, one-and-done scenarios. So let me ask you this. So Charlotte is playing at home tonight against Denver. We'll see what happens in that game. But they've got some games left. They got a game against Philly. They got a game against Miami. In Philly and in Miami. Both they got a three-game road trip after tonight. New York, Philly, Miami. What's a chance those teams rest their guys against Charlotte to help? Brooklyn get pushed like 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 if you're if you're Philly and you're like yeah we're fighting for the one two or three but you know if Charlotte wins it increases the chance that we don't have to deal with Brooklyn so 
what's a chance that Charlotte? What's a chance that some of these teams that are that don't? But want is it Brooklyn too complicated to do lay that? Lay down for Charlotte. That's. I don't know, Spears. I don't know. I you know I know that's the thing about the NBA. One of the things I've learned is there are some things that are incredibly complex, and you can never believe the levels to which teams will go to do things to research things. And then there are other times when they're incredibly simplistic. I just this is one thing I've I've kind of learned as we've gone through this over the last few years. As you sit here and try to guess whose schedule's harder down the stretch, you kind of get undercut because you don't know who's going to play their full team. So, you know, you would have looked a few weeks ago at the schedule and said, oh, boy, Boston at Toronto, that's a real tough game. Well, guess what? Well, we talked earlier about maybe why, but now it's a gimme game for Toronto. Unless they completely fall on their face, they should win that game. I'm sure Cleveland and Chicago are a little annoyed that the Celtics are not bringing their full team. Um, I just wonder, because I know for a fact, even before Kyrie got the clearance to come back and play in home games, those top teams were watching the Nets very closely. They just don't want mm. to deal with the Durant monster if they don't have to. So I would say keep an eye on who plays against Charlotte. Um, I was already talking to to one. You know, the paranoia strikes so deep. Um, I can't believe that New Orleans would do this, but um, <laughs> I talked to somebody with Laker ties who – accused New Orleans of this, but um, New Orleans played the Spurs right before they played the Lakers and Brandon Ingram didn't play <laughs> and they, they lost to the Spurs and then Brandon Ingram comes back after missing 10 games with a hamstring. The next game against the Lakers looks great. And because, you know, the, the Pelicans are highly, highly, highly <laughs> incentivized for the Spurs to pass the Lakers. Number one, it knocks the Lakers, LeBron, AD out. And number two, every Laker loss makes it more likely that the Pelicans get the Lakers pick, which they get if it's in the top 10. If it's outside the top 10, it goes to <laughs> Memphis. So I actually somebody associated with the Lakers say, the Pelicans are <laughs> trying to, they're trying to screw us, uh, you know, because they just, they just thought Brandon great. Ingram looked so good on Sunday. Um <laughs> No, like he could have played a couple of days before. So I have no idea whether that's true, just to be clear. I'm just saying that's the kind of stuff that goes on this time of year. Yeah. Um, but as, as you look at the, you know, as you look at the West, obviously the Lakers are in all kinds of trouble, depending on LeBron's ankle. I don't, you know, I don't know when we'll get an update. You know, they play at Dallas tomorrow. Um, or say today, the day this podcast comes out. Um, I've seen LeBron turn his ankle terribly and play right through it. I've seen LeBron on a number of occasions turn his ankle badly in a game, stay in the game, be able to finish, and then not be able to play for, for three, four days. So, And LeBron was pretty down about it after the game on Sunday night. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But, um, you know, the, 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 the Spurs have the easier schedule. Um, uh, coming up, at least over the next three or four games. The last week of the season, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. But they play the Trailblazers twice in the next week at home. Um, so when you look at the West, um, 
you know, the Lakers are really in deep trouble if LeBron can't play a game or two. Um, AD is getting closer. They're keeping it pretty tight lipped as to how close he is. But I think there was a hope that he was going to maybe be able to practice this week and maybe be able to return by the end of this week or early next when they come back home off of this road trip. So, but I got to tell you, Kirk, you, you know, the Spurs, I, I don't think the Spurs are laying down. I think the Spurs want this. I think they're going for it. Yeah, Spurs are definitely going for it. Tanking is not something they do. Uh, They've been playing well. Uh, They stole a game in Golden State uh, last week. and They're dangerous. They're playing better than the Lakers. I I think they've won, I'm checking now, six of their last ten. You compare that to the Lakers, (laughs) who are going the other way. Uh, and, and, and yeah, Greg Popovich wants to get into that play-in tournament. These young players would kill to play in the play-in tournament. Uh, that is a real thing. And, and as you taught me a long time ago, Brian, the NBA loves to backload LeBron James at the end of the season with really high-profile superstar yep. opponents. Big-time games. That translates to tough games. Uh, the Lakers, if you look at that schedule, it's pretty unforgiving. As you pointed out, too, we don't know who's going to play, but if everybody's playing at Dallas, at Golden State, uh, at Denver, these are very tough games for even a healthy Lakers team to win. They're in trouble. Yeah, and Denver is in a dogfight to stay in this. They're, they're a game and a half up on Minnesota for this. Yeah, season. but Minnesota's playing so well. Denver um, might have something to play for there. This is this is this is this is a very interesting situation. Uh, as you pointed out, the Spurs have an easy schedule. They're not on national TV the last two weeks of the year like LeBron is every year. This is this is going to be an interesting race. And right now, I'll say it. Edge to my Spurs. I'm biased though. Edge to my Spurs largely just because of and those the Lakers. They have two home games, one of which is against New Orleans. And only gimme they got, like all the teams, to Kirk's point, like all the teams they're playing against Dallas, Utah, New Orleans, Denver, Phoenix, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Denver again, Denver twice. Like they need them. <laughs> even, even that game, that Sunday the season finale against Denver, yeah, could mean something to Denver. In Denver. March Madness is here, and the Bald Men on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg, will keep you up to date on what you need to know. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. 
Shopify.com slash hoop. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. In Denver, Spears. And, and the other thing is, and this, this could be flopped around within days. This, the Spurs played in Portland last week, in Portland, and won by 30. And this rapidly, <laughs> precipitously spreading case of tendinopathy around the Blazers, they play two games in San Antonio in the next few days. Double, double trip. Okay, here's something else, though, I'm going to bring up, which we're talking about this fearsome back end of the West. Paul George went through a five-on-five contact practice today in L.A. And the Clippers have been wheezing. They have lost eight of ten in five in a row. Minnesota has completely broken separation for them for the 7-8. That's almost clinched at this point. Um, and the Clippers are way ahead of New Orleans. So they're locked into eight. They're going to be the eight. So they are going to play a road game in the first round. But Paul – or in the first playing game. But Paul George coming back, like, this is huge. This is huge. It's, it's a game changer. Now, I'm not saying that Phoenix – is laying awake worrying about any of this. In fact, Kirk, I watched them take out the the uh, 76ers. And I'm kind of like, Do, are we just wasting our time talking about the play-in? Because that team is impenetrable as far as I can see. I, I don't think they're worried when I know that. They're like, let us know who we're playing a day before, and we'll get ready. Yeah, it's like you look at the East, and you're like Kevin Durant and Kyrie as a seven or an eight against a banged up Celtics team, or, or or somebody like the Miami Heat who haven't looked great. That's interesting, but give respect to Monty and Chris and Devin Booker and Phoenix. They have 60 wins. They already clinched the best record. They have a top five offense, a top five defense, and I watched that same Sixers game as you did, Brian Sunday. And Chris Paul was back to looking like the point guard. He took apart Philadelphia in the fourth quarter. Um, just brilliant play after brilliant play. And I was just left thinking, this is one of the best other teams in the NBA. And they just destroyed them down the stretch. Um, there was one possession where he was running a two-man game with Bismack Biombo, And it was like pinball. They passed to each other like four times. And they kept running different cuts. And the Sixers just were left like spinning their heads, and it was an ended up as an and one for Biombo, and Biombo was so excited about the play that he ran over and like hugged Chris. He was like, "Boy, that was fun," uh, watching him just take them apart. It was Chris. Chris has a way of making these bigs look really good, and uh, you know he. The, the, yeah, my point is the consolation. Yeah, congratulations on your eighth seed, whoever right. comes out of that playing game. Uh, have fun with the best team in the oh. NBA, uh, the 60-some win. Phoenix Spears, Suns. I want to say something else about – yeah, go ahead. I, I talked to – I sat down with T. Lou last week, and um, it's actually a story that's going to run uh, on Tuesday in uh, Anscape. So I, I asked him a couple times, like, do you still have hope 
for Kawhi, for Paul George, for Norman Powell to be back for the playoffs? And he said, yeah. He said, anything's possible? Yeah, it's possible. We don't know. I don't don't really know. So we were working towards it. So I said, there's still, it it still has life. And he said, yeah. I said, okay, so if these guys are back, because he, he wasn't just talking about Paul. He was talking about the other two. And Norman Powell, when I was at practice uh, last week, he was doing some things on the floor, too. He said, I said, so if you could get all those guys back, what are the Clippers? And he goes, special. If all three guys are back, <laughs> then we can definitely be special. And that's for sure. The guys getting experience, they're getting now with those guys being out. And if you give me two stars and then Norman Powell, who's a really good player, I can make something happen. So, yeah, Ty believes in himself, man, and yeah. he's got good reason to. So I, I, uh, I, I'm with you guys in terms of like, even if he gets those guys back, I don't think they beat Phoenix. Phoenix is just too beautiful, yeah, well oiled I mean, machine, like look, chip on their shoulder. I don't see that. But if they can somehow win the play and get that. the seven. And get that Memphis team, right? <laughs> like, uh, maybe, maybe, hey. I don't think Kawhi's coming back to go defend Devin Booker. I'm going to say something else. Yeah. James Harden, Sunday. Another big game. 2 of 11, 14 points. Joel Embiid's out there, 14 of 27, 15 rebounds, 37 points. Harden's 2 of 11 in a 10-point game. You can give all the platitudes about takes time in the system, whatever. All of that's true. I'm not saying that Harden won't end up looking great in the playoffs. But with a fair mind, if you can look at me and say that you think James Harden has been impressive so far, and the – I mean – the Sixers are winning. They, you know, they go on this West Coast trip. They get some wins. They end up holding the number one seat. You know, they're in a good place. But if you can look at me with a fair mind and say that you've been impressed with James Harden so far, I don't know, man. And of course, the playoffs are where the narratives are decided. The playoffs set the conversation. I am willing to say that it could very easily go the other way. He could be great. But number one, I'm looking at him in these big games and watching him continue to struggle. And number two. I'm thinking about him sitting down at the table and asking for a $240 million contract this offseason or whatever the number is going to be. And both of those make me scratch my head, man. I'm doing it right now. So I, I don't – I mean, I know it's just a couple games, but Spears, he looks like he's lost his stuff to me, man. Um, and that's just – He's going to get it. That's, it's not a guy I'd be really excited about getting to <laughs> And if there's one person that's excited to give it to You're him, right. it's uh, DM. Right. I know. And you know, he still he, – he, he, the, he had the option of – it was negotiated that he would pick up his option as part of that trade so that the Sixers would know that there would be no shenanigans at the end of the year and he'd be locked in to the end of the year and then he would extend his contract over the summer. But he still didn't do it, Kirk. You know, is if I were him, I'd be picking up that option so fast just to oh, make man. sure I was Anthony protected. Davis, what did Anthony Davis say? 
hey, I got that long-term deal because, you know, my body has told me to take the long-term deal. <laughs> I, I respected him a lot in doing it. He could have taken a two-year deal with an option, and he could have been a free agent again in the 10th year of experience. He he took the five-year deal because he wanted to protect to protect himself. It's just, I, I mean, you know, I, I know Kyrie just pledged that he was going to resign. I don't think that's a surprise, but he's obviously going to get whatever he wants. But, like, he's playing a lot better than Harden is. But tell me whether you're excited about signing that guy to a five-year contract. I That's what I it defy is. That's you, what I was going to say. And a fair-minded person to say you're excited about giving Kyrie a five-year contract. Um, before we go, I know what he's going to say about too. These teams fighting for position. If you're one of these teams, if you're Toronto, for example, or if you're, you know, Denver teams that are sort of in the back, but you know, they believe in themselves, Toronto, you know, might get Michael Porter jr. Back. Uh, there was a report last week that it's not looking as good for Jamal Murray, Toronto, has won eight out of ten. Have had a couple of really nice wins. They're getting better. They're getting healthier. Which team do you think is weak of the higher seeds in each conference? Spears, is there a team if you were Toronto or Denver, you'd be saying, "I'd really love to get a shot at that team I mean, in the first round." Grab standings are real. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things too. Like, who's going to be playing? Well, you don't know. Of course, you don't. Yeah, know. but right now, I right now I hate to say it, and I might get you know chased down for saying this. I, I know what you're going to say, and you're not wrong. But it's Golden State. Like the Warriors have been awful. They split their last ten. They have, you know, the rotation's bad. Draymond's not playing well. He admits he's not playing well. Clay can't play back to backs. Obviously, you don't need that in the playoffs, but Clay's up and down. Iguodala's finally coming back, but um, like they've they've had twenty six different starting lineups. Um, now uh, you know Porter's out tonight or Monday night. Like who's playing? What's the rotation? They started Kaminga oddly last week. Looney's the only player they've had that's played in every game. I, you know, they're not they're not gonna get wise men. It just there's a lot going on, and and I always you guys been around a little bit, but I always kind of feel like the way that you're playing at the end of the regular season is the way you're gonna play in the postseason. And even when Steph was there, hey, these are the same guys that were working out Jackie Moon. Are we 100% they, they sure so. Steph's going to be okay for the that. first round? But that's, you know, exactly. There was confidence well, was James different. Wiseman was going to come back. I mean, well, that that's the that's the what the narrative they're telling us now, right? I, I did ask um if they were going to add another player, I've been asking this the last couple of days and people have told me that they would not, they have up until April 10th to do that. Um, and there's slim pickings out there, you know? So like, who are they adding prime Andrew Bogut? I mean, I don't, yeah, I, mean, I, don't I mean, uh, you know, me, me and do? Kirk were, you know. uh, looking at background information on Marcus all, 
because <laughs> that's somebody that is interested in the past. Um, but I, I, I really thought they should have gotten insurance well, Marcus policy. Marcus is playing for a team, kind of like that... with Tice with Boston. Yeah. Well, they thought why they thought I mean, why, and, and it's and it's sad because like three weeks ago he looked amazing, ran the floor. I think we talked about it. Ran the floor well, blocked shots, rebounded well. We did. Was expected to play the following Sunday, and then his knee swelled up. Um, Listen, man, this is why I say as we we see you know Robert Williams going in, or you know I, I assume he's going to have surgery. There is. <laughs> One couple of things I've learned in my 20 years covering the NBA. And one yeah. of them is there's no such thing as minor knee surgery. It's only minor knee surgery. When well, my knee's still knee. messed up. And I'm just going to say. In college. Yeah, you had surgery. I, hey, just to answer your question on the, on the other side, bro, Brian. Say, uh, yeah. If you're Toronto, yeah. I think the answer to your question of who the weaker one is right now, and this hurts me to say because I love this organization, is, is, is another place that you're very familiar with is Miami. Miami has not been playing well. Miami has some bad losses. Yeah. Uh, they have whatever sort of blow-up they had on the bench, and you can diminish that, and I'd be right there with you. Uh, but that's recently. Um, they've won just four of their last ten games. I'm not saying they're bad, but among those top teams in the East, they look like the team you'd want to play right now. Uh, and they could, they could make me look bad. They do have a switch and another gear, as we saw in the bubble season. Well, yeah, and if they do, you'll acknowledge it. But I mean, you know, if you're Toronto right now, I, you know, I think Philadelphia. You know, Toronto went into Philadelphia last week and beat them there. I know it's a regular season game. I know, but I would think that Toronto would say, "Let's let's give give us a puncher's chance against Philly. Give us a puncher's chance against Miami." I'm not making any prediction that they're going to pull off an upset. I'm just saying Toronto is dangerous and there's some teams ahead of them they would look at. And as far as that thing in, in Miami, you know, as a thing on the bench, like I, I don't know if it's a big deal or not. My instinct told me that it's, it's interesting, but not season defining, but they have not rallied since that. It has not been a rallying point. So, um, and you know, the Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra thing, you know, Jimmy Butler grinds on his teammates. I mean, there's he, he brings a lot to the table. There's been several organizations that have been like, we are ready and afraid to be out of here. And there's been organizations where he's been ready to be out of there. It is not a long history of harmonious marriages there for Jimmy. So... When I'm seeing Spolstra, and I'm seeing Spolstra saying to him, I know it's heated in the moment. I always I always knew you were crazy. I think he's speaking from his heart there. I think he does mean that. Um, so I wonder, not only about this season, I wonder about Jimmy Butler long-term in Miami, uh, especially since he's right on the edge there where his age and you know he's been banged up a little bit i i just i wonder about that um but that's a discussion for the off season but you know toronto is fragile also because fred van vliet's knee and when fred van vliet doesn't play they're not the same team um but they're definitely a team to watch um 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective. We will talk to you guys uh, later this week.